0: Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to I guess feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life.
1: Sonia Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. It's the Irishman running abroad with me, Jarlett Regan over here and Sonia Sullivan over in Portland. Wolf, what a weekend of running all of you had. People up and down the country taking part in events, including Darkness into Light. Sign your own Ballymore Cove Club had a huge event for this. Have you taken part in Darkness into Light?
0: I have in Melbourne. Um, I think that's the only place I've been. I've I virtually take part in Cove because they dress up the statue.
1: <laughs> all right, that's so the statue all kind of doing stuff. it. Yeah, so I'm
0: definitely I'm definitely reminded of it, and you get to think about it, you know, when you head out for your run. Yeah. But um, no, I didn't see. There was nothing close to me. I was in California on the weekend. I was in a place called Walnut, which was, um, yeah, it was very, very much inland. <laughs> so there was no, I always find it difficult to find somewhere to go or do stuff outside of what you're doing if well, there's no sea around the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, people have such an image of California, don't they? When you say, oh, I was in California, <laughs> they, they immediately have their own TV image of it. You were up in the hills, though, running some trails. How was that?
0: Yeah, that was pure trail running. That's the other thing about California. It's not very easy to find somewhere to run. There's a lot of hilly mountainous trails around the place that,
1: mm.
0: You know, on paper, look great. And then you go out there and it's like, oh, this is relentless. But it was actually quite nice. I don't mind going for a bit of a trail run on the Saturday I went out. It was called Walnut Creek Trail. And yeah, the, you, the path crossed the creek. I don't know about 20 times it was unbelievable (laughs) I just ended up there because I didn't know where else to run it's kind of hard to find places to run
1: Mm.
0: um there was just hills everywhere and then so you know if there's hills I would rather run on the trails than on the flat and I have we have been to some races in California and there's been some nice areas to run in but this was definitely a very undulating part of town mm. and um so it's kind of you know when when you can run good it's nice to run along but the rest of the time it's got through the motions and all these like little creek crossings it was all stepping stone stuff so the first few I was like taking my time and then as you go on you're kind of thinking right I just got to figure out how to get across here and you know my my stability and uh, <laughs> the mobility was being um tested for sure but i actually think i got a little bit better at it by the end where you just go you just figure well there's lots of people out here they're all getting across these streams so it can't be that hard and you just have to keep moving you know you just you put one foot in one rock on the next rock and and kind of the the quicker you can do it the better if you stop it all then you're stuck in the middle of the river
1: wow so you went through the water
0: oh yeah yeah loads of times <laughs>
1: Jesus, I didn't I realise that's what you meant by it crossed the the creek because I spent uh, a last couple of days kind of hunting bargains around the place for various different reasons. I stumbled across a pair of uh, Adidas Primax in TK Max of all places for 150 euros. Then next door in the Lifestyle Outlet, I came across two pairs of Vaporflies in my size in damaged boxes that were going for next to nothing. But it did make me think. Because I am thinking about heading out in the trails. What do you wear? Like what what shoes were you wearing when you're doing it? Do you have a specific trail running shoe or do you just go and what you have?
0: I do have them, but I didn't have them with me because when you're traveling, you can only bring so much stuff. <laughs> I like to pack legs. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. you don't like. So, no, I just had the Zoom fly and, you know, they just about were OK. I mean, I was lucky it hadn't been raining, so it wasn't muddy or slippery.
1: Yeah. You need that bit of and grip. The, yeah.
0: So, yeah, the trails, there were they were dry dry enough so that made it you know you can. when the trails are dry you can pretty much wear anything
1: we are jargon busting today with sonia jargon and running goes hand in hand whether it's your fartleks or your dnfs or your floats or your thresholds or tempos A lot of people are saying these words, Sonia, and they don't know what they mean. A lot of the time you just nod along, go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a good old tempo run or I'll get some strides in without really knowing what they are. Well, our listeners from all over the world have been submitting the words that they don't fully understand. Even with the benefit of having the Internet in your hand, these things aren't totally clear. Later on in the show, we'll also get Sonia to, song you to uh, blow up some of the jargon from Australia and Cork. So that'll be a bit of fun for later in the show. I sent you a few terms that are coming up again and again that our listeners need you to decipher for them. And one of the first ones that seems to come up a lot is lactate threshold. Can you <laughs> decipher that one to start things off?
0: Yeah, well, this is a, I suppose in some ways it's a relatively new term for non-elite runners and for the general, you know, people training for the marathon, the mass runners out there. And lactate thresholds, it's a ver- it's a scientific term, it's a physiological term used when generally people, they can go and do a test to see what their maximum heart rate is, you know, their maximum effort. And then they set up different Um, thresholds of training. So, different levels of, you know, marathon pace training, slow pace training, um, threshold running, and then anaerobic thresholds. So, threshold running is a bit faster than marathon pace. Mm -hmm. And it's determined by being able to, the amount of running that you could do at a certain pace, continuous for an hour. So, it's a good way of working it out is if if you run a half marathon and then you work out what the pace is that you did in the half marathon, that's probably your threshold pace. Because everybody's out there trying to figure out what the threshold pace is without going to do a test. The simplest thing would be to go and do a treadmill test in some science lab. And there's plenty of them out there now doing it for you. But I suppose the thing is, can you really trust that they're all doing it properly? Mm. Uh, You know, for the general population so this is you know mass what would you say mass produced lacto- lactose threshold testing and it may just be a general ballpark figure i don't know it depends where you go and who does it
1: sure it's a bit like the uh, the dna test on your your family genes it's like
0: exactly yeah so i think the more like elite athlete you are then the more the person testing is going to be wanting to get a proper result for you.
1: And Why is Jakob and the likes of Jakob Ingebrigtsen always at it? Like you always see him pricking his finger on the side of the running track. Why is it continually happen or, or is it? Uh, you answer that. You tell me. Look, what, what, why is this well, so important he obs- constantly?
0: He obs- well, what happens is when you're doing a training session, if you go too fast, too soon, then you start to produce lactic acid and then In effect, it ruins the session because then you can't clear the lactic acid as fast as you need to. So you need to take more rest. So what he does is still, and lots of people do this. I know Marcus O'Sullivan does this. He's a big fan of the lactate threshold testing during training, Mm -hmm. which is where people start to get very specific about it. Um, And so then you're not just focusing on the pace or the heart rate, but you've got an actual physical testing method you take a prick of blood you test it in this little handheld machine and it will tell you You know if you're running too too fast in what you think of your threshold pace um, And so if the thing is if you don't operate above this line, then you can do more At this kind of threshold pace of running and the more of that you can do then You're continually boosting your aerobic levels
1: Right, And And so then you
0: you can go for longer at a pretty good pace. And so it's a bit of a tricky one because athletes of all levels, you know, they try to do it in college athletics. They try to do it, you know, in elite athletics. And then people training for the marathon try to do it. But most people don't do it correctly. And so it's just a term that they're throwing around the place. And they think they're doing it correctly. But most are not because... When you start, it feels pretty slow. And so you think, I know I'm doing a track session. I should be going faster. I'm not working hard enough. I can't be getting any benefit from this. But you just have to trust it and believe in it. And in order to do that, then I think you have to stick with it for at least four weeks, four to six weeks, depending on what fitness level you're coming from. And then you run a race and you see how well you can run off of what seems like not really speed training, but just general training with threshold running thrown in there and you're boosting your aerobic capacity. The thing is, if you can run fast, if you know you can run 400 meters in 60 seconds or 70 seconds, then you don't really need to keep practicing that, but you need to keep practicing your ability to keep up in the race so that you're at the point in the race where you can use the 60 seconds or the 70 seconds to... You know, to fin to finish fast.
1: So it sounds like you're saying is something. This is something, Jarlath. You do not need to worry about. Um, You don't
0: need to worry about it, but it's useful to use. It's. I mean, it's. It's very useful to use in your training and when you're doing sessions. Like if you're doing six times a thousand meters, and I say to you, "Okay, I want you to do six times a thousand at four thirty with one minute rest," and you go out there and you run four fifteen, and you say, "Ah, oh, but I felt great." And I was like, yeah, but you're 15 seconds too fast. So, you know, you've made a mess of that session. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> all of the other kilometers went down as it went.
0: Yeah. Well, well, even if they don't, I mean, because what happens then, you do the first one in 15. So you think you got to do the second one in 4.15 and the third one. And so then you're working way too hard because you're, you're just playing. Then you've got the numbers in your head and you're trying to match them. Whereas you really should be slowing down um, because then what you're doing is defeating the purpose of the session. And it's very technical stuff now, mm. to be fair. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, we really started
1: but, on a but big technical one. We've got plenty of small ones <laughs> to, to get through as well. But, but uh, it's, kind definitely felt worked, like me. it's definitely worth,
0: yeah. uh, it's worth delving into and it's worth using for people training for the marathon because the the more that you can vary the paces of your training runs, the more interesting it becomes. And you realize that, you know, training hard is an accumulation of a lot of miles and kilometers at a very manageable pace rather than going out there and smashing yourself every time. And, you know, coming in and lying on the couch and you can't get up.
1: Well, uh, that's massively helpful, science. I think you've, you've captured it in a nutshell. I don't know if I'm going to be going out and buying a little, uh, you know, blood machine to be testing myself on the side of the road here in Meath. But who knows? Maybe that—that that is the next piece of running kit that we're going to be seeing at every expo around the world, because I know that Jesus, people are throwing money at anything they can, uh, including some of the things we're going to go into here. Uh, We have a Strava group for Uh, The hardcore, you would have to say, the hardcore listeners of the show. Very easy to get into the group. Seamus McAteer is, of course, our PRO, and he can add you to the group if you want to be involved in the chat. And Ilo over on the Rock of Gibraltar uh, was in touch to say she saw somebody put up on Strava that they floated during their (laughs) last run. And she's like, how did you do that? Jesus, I'd love to be doing a bit of floating in the middle of a run. It is the term float she's asking about. What exactly is a float, Sonia? And how does it how does it connect up to what we're doing?
0: Well, a float is something that you would use in a true fartlek session. So now we're throwing in two words, two here, words then. here. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might get we'll
1: get it. fartlek in as well.
0: Yeah. So fartlek is a bit of speed play where you run fast for X amount of time and then you float. Now, I suppose the option is you can float or jog. But depending on the session, if you're doing a hard fartlek, then the interval or the rest between the hard effort. If it's a float, it means that you keep running at a decent pace. Okay. Yeah. So you don't slow down, you don't stop, you don't walk, um, but you actually keep running. So the float means that it's a, a very continuous session, generally around five kilometers altogether. Um, so if you were doing something like, say, the Monothrackleck, have we discussed this one yes, before?
1: Yes, we, we even did it, yes.
0: Yeah. So you do ninety seconds fast, ninety float. Now the ninety fast I suppose determines the pace of the float and the pace of the float determines the time, the pace of the fast effort. And that's where it gets complicated where if people do the same thing, same type of session over and over again and they have a certain distance they get in the time, then they may push the float too hard. So then the differential between the float and the hard effort is not really Big enough.
1: I hear you. So people shouldn't confuse a float with a jog, the kind of, you know, go and jog in between your reps. This is actually you couldn't call it just trotting. It is, as you say, continually running, properly running, but just at a slower pace.
0: Yeah, it's a concentrated effort between the intervals. I see. Um, So. You know, I mean, if you're doing faster intervals, then you do slower recoveries. But if it's a, this is a great thing to do when you're, you know, getting back into training after, you know, coming back from having a break from the marathon and you do the, and it's very hard to do it. Like it kills you to do the float. But if you have it in your head that, okay, once I do my 90 seconds, I got to keep running here, then It focuses, it puts a big focus on the session of this thing is 20 minutes long and I'm just going to get it done. But your heart rate is up higher for the whole time. So it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't necessarily be a threshold session now because your heart rate would get so high that by the end of it, you'd be thinking, wow, that was much harder than it looks on paper.
1: Mm. Well, we've got so many more of these to get through. I want to throw in a couple of Cork and a couple of Aussie ones in to see uh, see if we can get you to explain what these ones mean.
0: You're testing me now. <laughs> yeah, we'll throw
1: in a couple of Aussie ones. An Aussie uh, term here that I need to explain to me that I, I remember hearing and not really understanding when I was over there was, um, what does it mean when an Australian person says, crack the shits? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Guy's gonna crack the shits. <laughs> I think it's like
0: if you throw all your toys out of the tram, isn't
1: it? Oh, is that it? Okay. It's like I thought that this was a uh, toilet emergency during a marathon. <laughs> uh, I got great up to mile uh, twenty, and then I had to crack the shits. <laughs> it threw the plan out the window. Okay, that's that's but, that one.
0: I think you just get annoyed. You get annoyed with a situation. So I think if you're out for a run with somebody and yeah, one step in you the whole way, then someone will crack the shits, you know, by the end of the run because they have enough of it. they get frustrated.
1: Very good. Okay, so another running term, a straightforward running term that uh, seems to crop up uh, time and time again, and you'll see it on your Garmin, but what the hell does it mean, Sonia? VO2 max. How can my watch know what my VO2 max is and I don't know what it is and how do I not need to be in a laboratory to understand this thing that I assume involves putting on a gas mask and having a man and a woman in a white coat work something out?
0: I think the watch is a very rough estimate. Now the people at Garmin may come after me and say no no it's pretty accurate but yeah I think it's I think it's just an estimate. So it's the maximum amount of oxygen that you can uptake while operating at a high level.
1: The maximum?
0: Amount of oxygen that you can take into yourself while you're running at such a high level. So to get your true VO2 max, you have to be running on a treadmill and doing a test. And somebody is measuring all this as you're doing it. And you're just going to the point where you can go no more and you collapse down. So I suppose ultimately if you were running a race and someone was there to prick your ear afterwards, you might be able to work out your VO two max in a race, which should be the highest thing, but it may not be.
1: Have you ever had it um, done?
0: Um I have, but I don't really like it. So I never I was never able to do it properly because I just didn't like being on the treadmill with the,
1: with the oak on your
0: nose and <laughs> the thing in your mouth and it was just really annoying. And I used to always say, well, Why can we not just do it outside? Um because I didn't like running on the treadmill anyway.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's a very uncomfortable thing to do when the true information that you need is just a black gate threshold. That's enough to play around with. So you don't really need to do this VO2 max, but you know, the scientists, they just like to get these numbers and you'll often hear things say, oh yeah, I had this athlete in and I've never seen someone with such a high VO2 max.
1: Yes, but it's all and right. they said this about Lance, of course, that his VO2 max was through the ceiling. Uh, and why is that such a big deal? That's just because he's just still capable to taking all this oxygen on board, even at his limit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the um, efficiency that you can get oxygen into. And I mean, that's why people go to altitude is because they're deprived of oxygen. And then when they come back down, it's more oxygen available so they can get more into their system which helps them to get the blood around the body faster without accumulating the lactic acid so yeah i mean it's it's a science experiment and it's not something that you need to be too worried about i mean maybe it's nice when your watch comes up and says your vo two max is whatever and so that's very specific to you and your watch so maybe if you're training for the marathon you're doing a lot of running then maybe that number changes a little bit over time, but maybe it doesn't, because a lot of time the VO2 max is quite specific to each individual. And it doesn't change that much hmm. um, with training that that's what you're born with. And that's what you've got to work
1: with. What does your watch say, Sonia, when it says VO2 max? That's what I'm interested to know. What number flashes up? Um,
0: I have no idea. I, 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 <laughs> I don't really pay much attention to it. I've seen it, but I can't remember. And I haven't seen it recently at
1: all. Because okay. I've only been doing it. Oh, well, disappointing. Yeah, why, what's,
0: what's, your, what's, your, what's your number?
1: I don't know. 50? I don't know. know what that We're is. Dying. Is that good or bad? You're dying
0: tell me there. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose I, you could look it up. Yeah. You could look it up probably I on the Garmin know. app, couldn't you? At I don't eight. know.
1: Somebody has probably gone 50? It's ridiculously low. stupid number. I don't know. I, mean, uh, I think in another... the
0: 70s. I think up in the 70s is pretty good. And I think when I was... <laughs> Um, I think, like, when I was running at a high level, I was up around 70-something. Okay. Um, but, I, but I wasn't one of these notable ones where people went, like, Oh, wow, um, your VO2 max is, you know, what, it's, it's super high. Um, I don't remember anyone ever saying that to me.
1: Okay, right. Well, we have one more before we go to our break. And there's lots more for you guys to enjoy over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. It's how we make the show. You come over there. You support us with a fiver a month. And in return, you get double size episodes with Sonia, double size episodes with Marion on a Friday. You get a double size episode or an extra length episode of Honey, you're ruining your kid and access to our full back catalogue of episodes with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived to accompany you on your runs for whatever you are training for. Uh, The final question, though, before we head to that break, Sonia, junk miles. What the hell is a junk mile, and what's the difference between a junk mile and every other mile?
0: A junk mile is not very productive it's um you're just running miles for the sake of running extra miles just to add so that it looks good in your on your strava or in your diary um, that you've done a hundred miles for the week or 50 miles for the week you're You're really just kind of like trying to reach that number so by the time it comes to Friday and you look at your miles and you think okay i need to do 20 miles over the weekend now to make this up to 50 and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it it's not really part of the running Mm -hmm. um it's like doing extra miles in the week you know people do two runs a day sometimes and um so but the second run is at such a slow pace that they might as well be doing yoga you know that it would probably be more beneficial to them And so it's to weigh up, you know, the value of these extra miles um, over the the benefit to your body and whatever you're training for, as opposed to the wear and tear mentally and physically of, you know, getting dressed up and getting back out there for an extra run in the day.
1: Well, shout out to everybody who has submitted their suggestions, including Ilo, James Gaffney, Brian Peppard, Kira Cullen. Um, Emma Foy, is a new member to the WhatsApp group, uh, Helen Carr, Paula Bradshaw, you know, Brian and Kuko in uh, Dingle, who had that question about the junk miles. Tons, tons more. As I say, we're going to try to ask Sonia about uh, stresses, active recovery, tempo runs, carb loading, sandbagging. <laughs> bandits and of course more about lactic and what the hell we do about it it's all over there on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad
0: one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically you know exercise wise